This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, welcome everybody. My name is Kevin Simmons. I'm the lead pastor here at Vortex, and I am obviously not with you today. Today I am traveling. I'm speaking in Florida at East Coast Christian Church, which is pastored by my pastor, Dan Stahlbaum. Many of you know him because he comes and speaks typically about once or twice a year here for me personally, and they've invited me down there to share the story of Vortex and my personal story. And so I spoke two times last night, speaking three times this morning, and I'm totally stoked about getting to share the story of what God has done through you as God has moved through our church and changed so many lives and really created a movement here in our city. Thank you for that opportunity. Now we're right in the middle of a series that we call Redo. And what we decided is that that moment of resurrection is so important that it gives us a second chance. And this whole entire month, we're going to be celebrating that second chance by investigating how God has invited us personally into a new way of living. He's given us freedom from sin, from death, and offered us a redo. So today, I'm going to be bringing a message to you kind of entitled, A Relationship Redo. Now, to explain the reason we need a relationship redo, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning. Back to Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Now, this is such an interesting moment because God is explaining to us how we were created. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that awkward moment when your kids came in and go, Hey, Mommy, where did I come from? Right? It's always awkward because you can't really tell them the whole truth, right? You don't want to tell them the exact details, but you want to try to give them an overview. That's what God is doing. In our kind of finite minds, God is explaining through language that is finite, an infinite story that came out of an infinite God. And it begins this way in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, in the beginning of what? Well, it's the beginning of the story. The beginning of what God is going to be doing in regards to the creation of humanity. In the beginning. And we see something that's unique in these first two verses. That darkness was there, and so is the Spirit of God. If you went to the rabbis to ask them about these two verses, they would tell you that these two verses indicate something that we learn throughout the rest of Scripture. That there was already a war going on. A war between dark and light, good and evil, because there had already been something that had happened that set up darkness being in the world today and setting up the problems that we experience in relationships. Isaiah shows us that in Isaiah 14, where the Bible says, how are you fallen from heaven? 
O shining star, sun of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth. You who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. Isaiah is speaking to a moment that happened well before creation motion ever began. It's a moment when Satan began an insurrection in heaven. And the Bible describes that a third of the angels in heaven decided to follow him as he tried to overthrow the throne of God. And God being God, tossed them out of heaven. And the war between evil and good, darkness and light began. See, Satan, the enemy of our obedience to God, started this conflict long ago. And it's a conflict that we experience personally today. Jesus put it this way in John 8. Jesus told them, if you, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. So why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. Now, it's an odd moment because they could hear him. We, we know they could because they recorded what he said. So Jesus doesn't mean hear. He means understand. This is what we say to our spouses and our kids. Can't you hear me? Didn't you hear what I told you? We don't mean just, did you get the sound that I made, we mean something more. Did you understand me? And Jesus is pointing out this tension that we who were born into sin have a hard time understanding God. He continues on. For you are the children of your father, the devil. Harsh language, but it's the truth. We were born into sin. And you love to do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. Now pay attention to this. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. In this moment, Jesus exposes the most important tactic that the devil uses to disrupt our lives as God designed it. He wants to disrupt our communication. Jesus says, you can't hear me. You can't understand me because there are so many lies that you have bought into. You've bought into these lies that are out there, lies that are out there, lies that are out there because Satan is the father of lies and his tactic to disrupt our relationships with God and with each other is simply to disrupt communication. So why do we experience difficulty in relationships? The first thing is that communication is hard. You've experienced that before. I know you have. 
Right? Your wife's come walking out of the bathroom in a dress that she just bought and she looked at you and she said, Honey, do I look good in this? And you said, Yeah. She rolled her eyes, stormed off. You had no clue what was going on. You just said she looked good. But based on your tone of voice and the way that your eyes looked and maybe even the conditions of the room. She didn't believe what you said. She actually read into what you said as to you trying to be nice, but you really didn't believe that she looked good. See, communication is hard. There have been times that you've said the right thing, but you've said it the wrong way. And when you say the right thing the wrong way, it's still the wrong thing. We've experienced this in our relationships. Some of you right now are not speaking to somebody because of something that was said. And you may not even understand what was said because you may have read into it. See, number two, we are and we have this naturally self-centered perspective of others. And you can't help it. I mean, obviously, sin is self-centered, but we have a self-centered perspective of life. And it, we can't really help it. Now, it's sinful, but we also can't help it because you, in your brain and perception, you are at the center of every experience that you've ever had in your entire life. It takes quite a bit of work to try to think about things from people's perspectives that are not our own. And so oftentimes... We view things and think about things only from our perspective. And because communication is difficult, because we tend to be so self-centered, we buy into the lies of the enemy. That is what utterly destroys relationships. That's what makes relationships so hard. Why? Because relationships are built on communication. And if we have difficulty in our communication, if we're buying into lies inside of our communication, if we don't see the truth in the communication, we're going to continue to experience difficulty. Some of us have bought into the lie that my marriage is over. Some of us have bought into the lie that that relationship can never be restored. Some of us have bought into the lie that that is too far gone. The situation is way too bad. There's no way we can ever recover from it. But I want you to see in a story that God told through an individual in the Old Testament that no relationship is too far gone. We find it in a little book called Hosea, named after the writer. He's a prophet. God is using him to speak to the nations, to speak specifically to Israel. And his story begins in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. Now, can you imagine this? This is Hosea. He's like a preacher, a pastor. 
He's a good guy. He's trying to live for God. God's using him. And all of a sudden, he clearly and distinctly hears God saying, no, I want you to go marry a prostitute. What? This, this doesn't even make sense. But Hosea is obedient. And the next verse makes all of this make a little bit more sense to us. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Now they're going to go on to have three kids and through those kids, God is going to use those moments to speak to the nation of Israel and to pronounce certain judgments and certain kind of aspects of his relationship with them at that moment. And time is going to go by because you don't have three kids in just a few weeks. But eventually, this woman, Gomer, is going to be like a pastor's wife, a stay-at-home mom taking care of young kids. She's going to remember a life that she had before. And like many of us, sometimes... We forget the trouble that came with that. We forget the hurt that came with it. And we just glorify it in our minds. And something happens in the heart of this woman. And in Hosea 2 verse 5, we see what happens next. Then she said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen and for olive oil and drinks. All things that she already had. She sells herself again into prostitution. Now think about that moment. Hosea has been faithful to God. Right? He went and married this woman. And he's, he's loved her. He's, he's had kids with her. Through the love that they've shared. They've probably talked about her backstory and how she got into this situation in the first place. And maybe it was a, a family issue. Maybe there were things that were going on. But for some reason, at some point, she was sold because prostitutes were not simply on their own. They were slaves. So Hosea has lived with her through this transition. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... She leaves and he's left with three small kids and he's left in a house that's empty and he's left with the loved one. The person that he cared about and had grown to love has now left. Imagine how he felt with God. He felt failed. And he probably felt lost. God, you told me to do this. This isn't how this story is supposed to turn out. God, she was supposed to be my wife. You told me to marry her and that we would have kids together. You didn't say this was going to happen. And I can promise you this, that in that moment, he was tempted to believe a lie. That because the moment was terrible and the situation seemed hopeless, he was tempted 
to believe that it was all over with. Some of you might be in that situation right now. You're in the middle of a difficult season in a relationship, maybe with a friend, maybe with your kids, maybe with your spouse, and you're tempted to believe that it's all over with. Well, Hosea was a man of faith, and he refused because his God was bigger than any problem that he was going to face. He refused to believe that the story was over. And so God speaks to Hosea again. And this story doesn't end the way that we think it would. God speaks in Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, and he says this. Then God said to me, go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them, so I bought her back with 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were writing the story, she would wake up one day and she would run home to Hosea. Hosea, I'm sorry. I, I blew it. You, you rescued me. You got me out of that situation. I blew it. I just, I'm sorry. I should have come back. I ran back. I, I'm, I just need your forgiveness. That's, that's how I would write the story. But that's not how God writes the end of that story. She's being sold again. And on the auction block, a woman who has now had multiple kids, who is a lot older when she first started this lifestyle, you can imagine the jeers that would have come from the crowd. Isn't this that preacher's wife? Didn't she leave him? Doesn't she have some kids she's supposed to be taking care of? I'll give, I'll give a dollar. I'll give a couple of dollars. And out of the back emerges Hosea. Whatever the price, whatever it costs, I want her. Because she's my wife. And God has called me to love her. And I will pay whatever it costs. The price that's listed was substantial. He gave it all to buy back this woman who had left him. And really in that moment, you don't even know if she even wants to go back with him. But he's there to be obedient with God. And he is showing us what it means to live in a relationship redo. If you want a relationship redo, I want to give you four things today from this story. Number one, we need to accept that our marriage, and you can substitute our relationships, our marriage is a living illustration of God's love. 
If you notice several times throughout this story, God says this will illustrate how Israel has acted. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves. This will illustrate. And your marriage right now, your relationships are living illustrations of the love of God. And you might be asking, who's getting to see this illustration? Who is partaking of this massive illustration that I am so invested in? Well, let me just ask you, who do you live with? Your kids? Your friends? Your coworkers? Because they all see whatever your marriage is illustrating. And some of us, if we're honest, our marriage is not illustrating the love of God. Because number two in your notes, like God's love for us, sin is not the end. How many of y'all are thankful that our relationship with God doesn't end when we blow it? Raise your hand if that's you today. That's me. I'm so glad because I blow it all the time. I get it wrong all the time. But you know what? Our sin is not the end. And if that's the way it is with God's love, when our marriages are living illustrations of God's love, sin is not the end. See, Hosea could have believed the lie, it's all over with, but he didn't because he knew that his God was bigger than sin. See, sometimes we buy into culture's understanding of love. And it's a sad and broken perspective of love. It's that I will love you if you will do what I think you should. I will love you if you will be perfect and you'll get it right all the time. But if you blow it, that is my excuse. That is my out in the clause. I can walk out of this contract of love that we have established. That is a broken perspective of love. Because that's not God's love at all. See, the only way a relationship can survive is on grace, not on perfection. And Hosea and his wife Gomer are a living illustration of that. See, grace is God's version of a redo. What Jesus purchased on the cross when he observed and, and took the penalty of our sin, felt the punishment and the weight of our failure, when he took the blow that we should have taken. On the cross, Jesus purchased the grace that God leverages to us in our failure and sin. Grace is God's version of a redo. It's what he gives you. And then it's what he expects you to give others. See, sometimes when our marriages are in those moments where sin and failure have entered the story and we want to believe the lie that our marriage is over, the story is over. It's going to end with this sin. The truth 
Okay? The truth of the story of your marriage is that your story is not defined by your sin. It will be defined by your response to that sin. That's why we're talking about Hosea today. Because eventually somebody came up to Hosea and went, I just got to know. Why, why did you do that? Why did you bring her back into your life? Why? why? And you know what? He looked at them and said, because me and you both sold ourselves into slavery to sin and God purchased us back. He bought us back out of sin and he wants you to know that he loves you that much. And for some of you, later on in your life, after this story has been lived out, somebody might come up and go, I don't understand. Can you tell me why? And you might just get to say, hey, you know what? There was a day that I was on the auction block being sold. Sin had taken hold of my life. And a life was demanded. And Jesus walked into the back of that room and said, whatever the cost, sent by the Father, whatever the cost. And the demand was a life. And he said, fine, take my life. See, Jesus paid so that I could be forgiven. And so how could I not forgive freely? See, what you see, this grace that you saw lived out in front of you in the story of my marriage. It's not just a story about two people who could forgive. It's about a story about a God who has forgiven. And so now we can forgive freely. The story of your marriage will not be the sin, but how you respond to the sin. See, the resurrection of Jesus is your invitation into a freedom that will ensure that this failure will not be the end of your story. And today, there are some of you that in your relationships, you need a redo. And so I'd like to take a moment and pray. Let's pray. God, today we just come before you and thank you that you have purchased the right for us to have a second chance, to have a redo. And many of us today in our relationships, whether it's our relationships with our spouse, relationships with kids, parents, friends, we need a redo. And right now, throughout this message, we've been sensing your Holy Spirit speak to us on the inside. And we know that we need to give grace. Some of us know that we need to receive grace. Some of us know that we need to step out of the behaviors. We actually need to return back to the person that loves us. We need to return back to the relationship that is good and healthy for us. Some of us know today that today is a day for a relationship redo because of your love. And so, God, I just pray that, God, you would continue to speak strongly to our hearts and lead us to that. 
Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask you in a moment to respond. If God is speaking to you on the inside today, if you know that today you need a relationship redo, some of you need a relationship redo with the Lord. You have failed God. You have walked away from your relationship with Him and you realize that He's here today to purchase you, to buy you back. And you're willing to say, God, I'm going to follow you out. And some of you today know that you need a relationship redo with a spouse, a friend, a mom, a dad, or a child. You need that relationship redo. You need grace to invade. You need sin to not be the end of the story. And you need to respond today in a way that honors God and lets God write the end of the story that you find yourself in today. You sense that. You feel that on the inside today. You sense God leading you to maybe today to say, God, I need a new relationship with you. I need this relationship redo with my friends or my family and many of us today, I believe, with our spouse. So I'm going to ask you, as you sense God speaking to you on the inside to do something on the outside. So right now, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand up all over. I need God to give me a redo in my marriage. I need God to give me a redo with my relationship with my parents. I need a redo with my relationship with my kids. I need a redo with my relationship with Jesus. Raise up your hands right now, all the way across everybody. So God, for those with hands raised today, speak to them, lead them, Challenge them and most importantly, change them as you give them the redo that you purchased for us on the cross. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.